Hello and welcome to Civicast, a series of podcasts from the National Civic Impact Accelerator Programme. I'm Adam Leach, Programme Director, and in this first episode, we'll talk to Professor John Goddard, OBE. John is Emeritus Professor at Newcastle University, Professor of Universities and Cities at the University of Birmingham, and Visiting Professor at Sheffield Hallam University. I started by asking John to tell us a bit more about his background. I was appointed to an endowed chair in regional development studies in Newcastle University way back in 1975, and I established the Centre for Urban and Regional Development Studies in 1977. We got this idea into the public agenda by evidence for the Deering Committee on the Future of Higher Education, uh, which was published in 1997, under the title of Universities and Communities in Placemaking. And this had quite a national impact and an impact on on Newcastle University. We had a new VC in 2001, and he made me Deputy Vice-Chancellor for the University of looking at a new mission which we wrote, to be a globally competitive university, uh, playing but locally engaged, playing an active role in the economic and social development of the northeast of England. Now, I retired in 2008, and, and, and basically wrote up my learning uh, and I first wrote a Nesta National Endowment of Science and Technology provocation reinventing the civic university and then I also wrote two books There's one looking into the university from outside from the point of view of the city and then the other one looking from the inside out and what the management challenges were of working with the city and another piece of work we did which had quite an impact we separately analysed uh, the impact of the ni- 2017 Act, Higher Education and Research Act, which had created a competitive marketplace for universities. And we analysed that from a geographical perspective and identified that some of the most financially vulnerable institutions uh, were in the most fin- deprived and vulnerable places. That caused quite a sensation and indirectly led to the setting up of the Civic University Commission. Where did this mission to mobilise universities in support of their places begin? You almost have to go back to the 19th century when a number of universities were established to serve local industry and, and their communities. And many of these were funded by local people to meet local needs. So they were very much involved with the society and the economy. So they were hubs of knowledge exchange between business, university and civil society. As we went into the 20th century, universities were in effect nationalised and came under a university grants committee, they were part of a national funding programme and many of the, the great civic universities turned their back on their cities and became you know, national institutions and wanted to be on the national and international stage. So you had polytechnics, which had been established in most of the big cities, and then, of course, the government turned them all into universities. And the primary focus was research excellence and teaching excellence and a disregard of place. The, a number of universities, in, as we moved into the, into the first decade of the 20th century, get a, were asked a question, we have a university in our place, but what is it doing for us? So there were challenges on these publicly funded institutions. How do we do this? How do we actually re-engage with our place? And how do we not only 
do it as a single university, but in partnerships with other universities. And all around the country, there were universities which were absolutely critical to their places. And so the idea around how do you do this emerged out of the Civic University Commission. The need for institutional change is, of course, not an easy yeah. task. Yeah. How do you get universities to reorient themselves around place? Well, you do need institutional leadership. It must be seen to be part of the institutional mission. You know, combining the traditional scientific excellence with a relevance to place it needs to be up there. But you need also the incentive structures within the academy to make that happen. So we had a new Vice-Chancellor in Newcastle University who came from um, Imperial College in London and he made the point is if Imperial closed it would be a blip on the, in, on the property values in South Kensington but if Newcastle University closed it would be really disastrous for this city. But once we started doing this work in Newcastle and many of my empirical studies we found a, a vision at the top we saw a lot of activity on the ground by academics who felt they had some social responsibility. But in the middle, there was a blockage because middle managers were driven by narrowly defined performance targets and some of the academics as well. Publications in peer-reviewed journals, number of students, and there was quite an institutional barrier. So inside there needed to be a process of transformation. How do you actually do that process of change? How do you shift mindset to think about civic as part of everyone's role? Well, it, it has progressed, I think, quite significantly in relation to what I would call grand societal challenges. These big issues about health and well-being, there's big issues about sustainability, social conflict, if you take the sustainable development goals. And the other final driver that's been quite important in making these changes has been the COVID uh, impact. A lot of universities had to step up to the plate, crossing their disciplinary boundaries, working quickly and rapidly with between health and, and, and well-being and, and business and really get engaged with civil society in the place. What about civic university agreements? What was the Civic University Commission's rationale in recommending them? What we found was a lot of activity going on between universities and their civic partners, but no obvious strategic in, uh, intent. You know, there were lots of activities, but the whole wasn't more than the sum of the parts. And it was fragmented. There was research, researchers would dive in, do a project relevant to the local place and then go away again. That They didn't build up trust-based relationships with their partners in that process. If you were going to go anywhere, you needed to have a strategic intent, not only on the part of the university, but their main civic partners, local government, the NHS, other big anchor institutions. So you need a civic university agreement which recognise that you need to work together, both inside out and outside in, to agree a programme of action and invest in that uh, in terms of capacity building, both on the supply side and the demand side. So, John, there are three primary work streams to the NCIA. The first work stream, evidence capture, is all about building a living evidence base to understand what works, for whom and in what contexts. Why do you think it's important that universities can access high-quality evidence about civic approaches and activities? What we found increasingly was universities would start doing this 
and they'd start reinventing the wheel. There's a huge body of academic evidence, policy experience, nationally and internationally, about this. And it's quite amazing that universities are supposed to be learning institutions, but in practice, they have not been very good at learning, going out and finding out what's going on. And part of the problem is it's, it's all over the place. It's in different journals and different reports. And one of the, I think, the important things that the NCIA can do is begin to collate all that evidence, get it all in one place, so that universities that want to do this don't start reinventing the wheel. They know there's a body of evidence there. And, of course, that's always changing. Universities are developing and learning as they're going on. And so you want to not only learn about sort of the analysis but you want to learn about what the practice is. And, and so you need to capture uh, analysis and practice. And to pick up that point about this being an evolving journey, so we have this notion in NCIA of a living evidence base, yes. which kind of responds to the, the, the needs of universities and their civic partners over time. So how can a dynamic evidence base respond to policy challenges, I suppose? So from, what your, from your perspective, what value will the idea of this living evidence base add to the NCIA? So it's a very dynamic and changing environment. And universities have to learn to be fleet-footed in responding to that environment, but not to be blown by the winds. So you have to be, have some idea of where you're going and, and learn how other universities are dealing with that same environment. And that environment is quite, in the UK, is quite distinctive. I mean, the territorial governance of the UK is, quite frankly, a mess. You know, you've got uh, combined authorities, mayoral authorities, you've got um, individual districts. Every university is in a different geographical context in terms of governance, territorial governance, but there are common drivers on top of that. Drivers from, uh, from the funding regimes, the research councils. Um, so there are common drivers being imposed on or dr dropping down on a very differentiated landscape in terms of place and types of institutions. So the issue is, how can you learn from that diversity? innovation actually comes out of diversity. So there's common drivers on a differentiated landscape. One of the things that we've tried to do from the Civic University Network over the last few years is develop a framework that captures what, what are those domains of, of civic activity. So we're going to use the seven domains of the Civic Impact Framework to provide structure to the, the living evidence base um, through the NCIA. Why do you think it's important that we have a focus across a broad range of thematic areas? The development of places is multidimensional. It isn't, it isn't just about the economy. It's about social inclusion issues, health and well-being, culture, placemaking. It's about how the various partners come together. And it's about you know, civic leadership. So it's a case of integrating the various knowledge domains and activity domains in the university and the various domains in the world outside and bringing those two sets of domains together because I think the critical thing about these uh, civic agreements is sustainable partnership as notwithstanding the, the turbulence in the external environment. And thinking about 
a university that perhaps looks at the seven domains and thinks, okay, we can really specialise in the economy, for example. What would you say to that type of Um, That's a tricky question. I would be concerned about it. I take a, a holistic view of place and a holistic view of the university as an institution. Historically, the focus of, on universities and place has been on research and innovation and business development. And you have the so-called triple helix model of universities, business and government, but it is being found wanting because it leaves citizens out of the whole process. So if you don't actually involve citizens in the co-production of knowledge around the place, you miss a trick. You need to break this triple helix model. And I think that's partly why you know the NCIA using the the kind of civic impact framework is so powerful because we can draw attention to the various different aspects of being civic. It's not just about one domain. It's not just about your area of specialism. It covers a much broader range of civic activities. Absolutely. And I think this is a really important point about NCIA. You, in a sense, have created a normative model. This is where we want to be. The normal research that tends to go on in universities, it describes what is going on but then stop short of saying what should happen. It's not just describing what's going on and sharing what's going on, but have a framework to say this is where we want to be. So we are helping universities to move and their communities to move in a particular direction. So it is a normative model, not just a descriptive model. And that point you just made there, John, leads us nicely on to our next topic, really, which is about the second work stream of the NCIA which is trying to develop a dynamic learning and innovation programme, which will pilot different and new civic approaches and build capacity. This will include developing practical and strategic tools to support enhancement of civic performance. Can you talk to us, perhaps, John, about why building capacity within universities to design and deliver effective civic approaches is so important? Well, I think I said earlier on, the notion of institutional change. How do you bring about institutional change? And critical to that is, I think, leadership development programmes. Give people who want to do it the knowledge, the know-what, but you also need to give them the know-how. How do you work with different groups? How do you work with the community and voluntary sector? How do you work with government? You need to develop the skills of the, of, the, of, the, of the academy and the professional service people to know what, to learn about the, the data that's been collected from all these studies, to learn how. How do you do negotiation? How do you learn to listen? That's a real problem. Many academics are not good at listening. They're good at telling people. And how do you listen to different community groups how do you listen to politicians how do you dialogue with politicians how do you talk to civil servants how does Whitehall work and one of the ways around making this work is leadership programs which involve not just the academy but people outside and there was a program which I was involved in establishing here in Newcastle called Common Purpose You've got people from different walks of life and from the university, and we always put Newcastle University uh, potential future leaders on the Common Purpose Programme, and they work over a year, a day or a month, um, learning more about the place, the drivers and how they work, and learning, getting to know each other. So people from different domains, education, health uh, and planning, would all be talking to each other. 
So I think one of the things that we need to do in the NCIA is develop those sorts of programmes and drawing on the experience of case studies. And case studies can be a very powerful way of learning. And a key key word, I think, in all of this is conversations. Part of the problem is we are obsessed by metrics, things that can be measured uh, and counted. They tend to be things that are measured about the past. You collect data and if you go around ticking boxes, what is missing is conversations about how do we get to where we want to be. But having conversations between key actors, learning from each other is critically important. And none of that isn't easily measurable. And I suppose the NCIA has the benefit of the building on the success, I suppose, of the Civic University Network, which is exactly trying to do that. It's trying to bring people together, to share best practice, to, to try and inspire. What, why is it so important that we're building the NCIA on that foundation of the Civic University Network? I think the important point about the Civic University Network, it is well established. It has procedures and processes and, and infrastructure, if you like. There is always a, a problem in, in new initiatives. You spend most of your time trying to create the platform and then by the time the, the project's finished, you know, you've got the platform up, but it's too late. So in a sense, the NCI is being put on top of what is already there in a hub in Sheffield Hallam University, but people in the other universities who have signed up in the network. Um, so in, in a sense, it's an intensification and deepening of what is already there, not something that is just created out of the blue. So, and I think that's the whole message of what I'm trying to say. The civic university agenda has gone through a succession of stages. You know, you've had the Civic University Commission setting up the Civic University Network and now the creation of the NCIA. And, and within individual universities and regions, there have been learning journeys going on, you know. So, so this whole notion that this is another step on a journey, I think is key, of key importance. So how are we going to kind of, how do you think we should kind of reconcile the idea of trying to create some tools and some frameworks to support our colleagues across the UK against this idea that there isn't a one-size-fits-all approach to being civic? Well, I think, as I said earlier, innovation comes out of diversity and, 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 the, and difference is a way in which people think about things in a different way between the urban and the rural, between you know, universities in big cities, universities in, in small towns um, and more remote places. It, it prompts people to think differently. So the more, as it were, nuggets and, and, and tools in the kit bag, the better. And, and so what works in one place might not work in another place. And that's why you need the intermediary role of the NCIA to say, uh, to help that process, but to give guidance. Don't take it without being very careful about understanding the context. Um, within our kind of Workstream 1 package, um, we have a collaboration with the OECD to bring a kind of international insights into the mix with the NCIA. Can you just tell us a little bit more about why that's so important? Well, I think the interesting thing about the Civic University agenda, it's a global movement. It is just not unique to the UK. Lots of interesting things are going on across continental Europe, revising programmes beginning to 
bring research programs together with regional development programs, um, interesting stuff in the US uh, around land grant universities. So there's a lot of international knowledge here. And one of the ways I think it's important to have the OECD involved is they are going to be doing a review, drawing on international experience of how uh, the Civic University Network and NCIA are working. And that international experience, I think, will have impact on the British government, if I'm not, because in a sense, OECD is a very important international organisation and their experience has in the past had quite an impact on the UK. So I do think this whole notion of learning not just from other places within the UK, but learning from outside and evaluating and doing a peer review of it could be very helpful for the future development of the civic university movement in the UK. So our third primary work stream is focusing on engagement with universities and their civic partners. So building on the work of the the civic university network, which will include a range of support, of tools, of training um, and communication to to maximise our reach. What are your reflections on the work of the Civic University Network so far and how can the NCIA develop a really exciting set of engagement activities to scale up and accelerate the civic mission? Well, I think the key words you use there are to scale up and accelerate. I think there is a sort of danger that once you've created a network that it... um, it sits on its laurels, you know, it just ticks over. You need a bit of oomph and impetus behind it. And that's why I think the word accelerate is, is a, a very good word. What the NCIA has given the Civic University Networks a stronger focus, uh, a very much more clear framework, which has been derived from the experience of the network, beyond the, what was done in the Civic uh, University Commission. So it's been uh, really quite important, I think, to to give it an uplift, as it were, and particularly in the context of the the very turbulent environment that we face right now in research funding. Suddenly, research councils, for example, have woken up to place. We have local partnerships in in, in policy innovation, LPIPs. Uh, Every research council is now doing place. Having a, a strong hub and some really powerful partners in that gives an opportunity not only to help the universities and the places, but also to dialogue with government, to say to government, you're trying to do levelling up, whatever's, you know, the levelling up white paper had very little to say about universities, levelling up regardless of of the current politics is not going to go away, that's levelling up between different parts of the country and within communities, Universities have an absolute key role in all of that, but it needs to be recognised by government. So I think what the NCIA can do is to provide evidence and have a discourse, not only down with its memberships, but upwards to government. This is what we we want you need to be doing to join up some of these silos and, and give the funding to the universities, incentives to the universities to play a more active civic role. So, so this, this upward dialogue from the, from the universities through the NCI into government is it quite important. Whether the government wants to listen is another story, but I do think it is important. And the key, key to it, it seems to me, is, is levelling up. 
We have a, we have a department of levelling up, Bayes, Research England, we have the research councils. You have a quite complicated structure. And so why I think the NCIA is important is to begin to draw some of that stuff together. And to, not to say that universities need extra money. I think they do, but I, mean, I, don't, I wouldn't want to link it too much to funding. But it's how do you make more effective use in universities of the funding you already receive? Through the NHS, in medical education, through student fees, research council grants. Huge amounts of money goes into universities in from the research councils with no accountability to the public at all. And that money is sitting there in individual product projects to individual academics. And, and so I think one of the key words I would just end on and why the NCI is important is developing this whole concept of the accountability of universities to the public in their places. The framework, I think, should ultimately breathe in a mechanism for accountability for large chunks of money, which doesn't always lead to, as, as currently spent, much public benefit. What would success look like for the NCIA? What will be different in three years' time? I think it would be a number of universities that have transformed themselves and transformed their relationship with their places, such they are now dynamic and exciting places to live and work. So there you have it, the first ever episode of the NCIA Civicast. Thank you to Professor John Goddard for giving us his thoughts as a key member of the National Civic Impact Accelerator team. If you have any comments or questions about what you've heard in this episode, we'd love to hear from you. Please drop us an email at civicuniversity at shu.ac.uk. And you can find out more about the NCIA programme by visiting our website at www.civicuniversitynetwork.co.uk slash NCIA.